go into the way. Let's confess. I decree and, and God agrees. I am a soul winner. I am a contagious Christian. I positively influence and encourage everyone around me. I am a disciple maker. God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church influences Sadek. God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church fulfills her calling for this season. God's Tabernacle Christian Family Church has all the resources to meet the community's needs. We receive God's favor and man's favor. We have compassionate care for the needy. Constant prayer is our lifestyle. We bear much fruit. We are believers. We heartily worship God with our possessions. Christ's redemptive purpose is accomplished in Saturday. We see a thousand churches established in our lifetime. Sadek, the Lord God is your God. You belong to God. I see in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you that even as we study your word tonight, that you minister to us by your spirit. Lord, I make it known to your children that I'm not trusting on my own human intellect, but I'm depending upon you, Spirit of God, to speak forth the word with power and with anointing. And Lord, I promise to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you will do and accomplish through your word tonight. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody as you sit down. Tell them, I am the highly favored of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Is that Sissy Onika? Good to see you. Hey, good to see you. God bless you. Amen. All right. Uh, last week we started a series on partnership. Partnering with God. Hallelujah. And so we are continuing tonight. It's part two on partnering with God. Now we saw that John, it's only one chapter chapter 1, you know, uh, the verse that we all know is verse 2, that says, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers, <clears throat> right? We all know that verse. Yeah. Now, last week we read, as we continued, that uh, Apostle John is encouraging and thanking, you know, Gaius, who he was writing to, that, you know, the church is doing well and taking care of people that have come to minister to you, that you have partnered with them, you know, that they have uh, taken care of them. And so we see that it's a, it's a biblical thing to partner. You know, uh, the Bible says those that are, you know, having physical resources, you know, should share with those, you know, uh, that share the way, share spiritual, you know, uh, teachings and, and so forth. So it's, we see that it's, it's partnering on both sides. You partner, you know, with 
uh, people. Now, we also saw that Apostle Paul also talks about people who partnered. Now, the, the, the next scripture that we read was in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you know, uh, whereby he says, I robbed other churches you know, that I may preach the gospel to you. And he says that, you know, and, and we, we see out of that that the fact that he never received an offering in that church did not mean that it didn't cost him any money. You know, uh, but he says the brethren in Macedonia. Yeah, let's look at it again, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9. He says, And when I was with you, and I was and was in need. So he was there, he had need. How many know that uh, when you go out, preach the gospel or you do whatever that they, they you know there are needs yeah. I mean for this church to run there are needs for any church to run there are needs yeah. so uh, it says when I was there and I was in need what happened I did not burden anyone so I didn't challenge you to give you know, for the brothers who came from Macedonia. Now, maybe it's a reason why probably at that stage didn't, you know, teach them about tithes and offering. But he says, uh, but the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrain and will refrain from burdening you, burdening you in any way says there are people who provided for me. And who are those people? They are brethren, brothers from Macedonia. They took care of, of me. Now what, what was Macedonia? Macedonia was a province. And so we have couple towns and cities or places in Macedonia. And how did Paul end up in Macedonia? Now we read in Acts chapter 16 that Paul, he says, the Holy Spirit forbid me to preach the gospel in Asia. So he wanted to preach the gospel. Now when you look at it, he was aiming at going to Ephesus because Ephesus was an important city. It was a metropolitan. It was central, whereby ship, ships from uh, Africa, you know, would come in, from Asia would meet there, from Europe would come there. So all places, uh, you know, uh, uh, it was a good business city. So he, he knew that when... Should I tie my shoes? Ladies and gentlemen, my wife says I should tie my shoes. Pardon me. 
as I tie my shoes. All right. Now, uh, so when you touch Ephesus, you're touching people. Uh, just think about people coming there and receiving the gospel. When they go back to their places, they spread the word. So that is why he so much wanted to be in that area. But it was not yet time. The Holy Spirit forbid them to preach. He wanted to get, go further uh, in another place, you know, en route to Ephesus. The Holy Spirit forbid them. Say that you're not go uh, going to go there. And so what happens is he was now stuck. He didn't know where are we going. And at night he had a vision. I'm still in Acts chapter 16. At night he had a vision. And he saw a man from Macedonia, you know, saying to him, please come and help us here. Bid him come, you know, over here. And so when he woke up, he realized that God wants him and them together with his team that he was with to go to Macedonia. And so he then crossed the river went into the province of Macedonia. Now, the first place they came into was a place called Philip, Philippi. You know, Philippi. It was a town. It was a Roman colony. So meaning that it was under the leadership of Rome fully. Now, what happened? It was during the Roman Empire. So many places like Judah, Judah was not a Roman colony, but they would just send somebody there uh, in Jerusalem or the whole, you know, to, to, to rule on behalf of uh, Caesar. So, but, but this was a Roman colony. The, the Roman uh, were fully in charge of that. Yeah. So, they went there. Now, when they went there, on the Sabbath, on Saturday, they decided to, because they heard that there is a prayer meeting by the riverside. And so they went by the riverside and found some ladies. You know, one of them was Lydia, who was dealing in pepper. She was a business lady. Yeah, so they were praying there. And Paul met them. And the Bible tells us that he preached Christ to them. They got saved. Yeah. And so, then they said, Lydia said to, uh, to them that if you find me faithful, please stay a little bit longer. And so, they stayed for some days in Philippi. Now, over time, they went, it was like you know, often they went to their prayer meeting. Yeah, so they would be going to the prayer meeting. And uh, as they were going to the prayer meeting, there was this girl, she was a slave girl. A slave girl meaning that they bought her as a slave. You know, and now she was owned by these particular people, uh, her masters. So this girl, 
was doing business for her masters because she was practicing divination or what we call fortune telling you know uh, yeah so she was operating in what the translation talks about familiar spirit so she was practicing that and so people would come uh, to her and then you know they would pay money and then uh, she would tell them or your uncle is so and so Tomorrow, this thing is going to happen. And so people were fascinated by all these things. And so they would pay money. Now, because she was a slave girl, money was not going to her. It was going to her master. You understand? And so uh, this girl went to, you know, as Paul and Silas and the whole crew were going to the premise. She will always go after them and say, "These are men of, uh, you know, of God. You know, they are preaching the things of God." So she was telling the truth, right? Yeah. But uh, what we understand is that it's not everything that tells the truth is the truth. It's of God. Yeah. So we should not be fooled by somebody. You know, he told me my telephone number, my cell phone number. I'm telling you, if you don't know your cell phone number, <laughs> you're in trouble. So the fact that somebody mentions a telephone number, it has nothing to do with where it's gone. So now, after knowing your telephone number, what does that mean? Are you with me? So, uh, this this girl told them, you know, these are people of God, you know, listen to them. And, you know, one day Paul was upset, you know, and she, uh, he addressed the spirit and cast out the demon. So the spirit of divination, the fortune telling, was by the spirit of the devil. So all of that, it's not spirit of God. It's the spirit of the devil. And that's why they call them horoscope. <laughs> they are horrible. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't get into that, right? You know, we don't do palm reading. We don't do, uh, you know, reading the stars. I'm Capricorn. Oh. Um, yeah, we don't we don't do that. You know, it's all spirit of divination. Yeah. And so Paul prayed and cast out the demon. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. The spirit left. And so when the spirit left, what happened? She could not do divination anymore. Because the spirit had left. So she was doing divination by the spirit. A spirit of the devil. Yeah. And so now because she could not, people ever, tomorrow what will you 
I get saved. Who is my uncle? I don't know. It's a Chuyano. Now they can't pay her because now she's, they are not getting what they, they came for. Are you with me? And so now, it means now the money stopped coming. Now the masters are upset that the business is going down. It has gone down. It is closing shop. They are upset about it. They say, what's the problem? Now there is a man and the other people call uh, Paul. You know, he's with the crew and he cast out the spirit out of me. So I can't do it anymore. And so, so they went now. They cost a rau rau. They said, these men have come to disturb our peace. They teach things that are not lawful to teach in our area. Yeah. And so, uh, and so uh, they brought them before the magistrate. Right there, they gave judgment. They beat them up. Paul and Silas, they put them in maximum prim, uh, 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 prison. You know, they were bleeding everywhere and, and so forth. They were in there. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns unto God. And God came through. The prison, an earthquake happened. Prison doors were broken. And, uh, and now the jailer, who was sleeping, you know, when he saw that, he thought they have escaped. I better kill myself. Paul says, wait. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. He realized that these are real men of God. And he said, please, you know, tell me what should I do to be saved? And they told him, let him to the Lord. And then the Bible says that very night he took them to his house. He washed their wounds. Everything, you know. And then they baptized him and his household. And so in the morning, and the word came from the magistrate, release those people secretly. And Paul says that, no, 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 not too fast. Paul says that, how can you release us secretly where you condemn us publicly? And listen to what Paul says. He says, you condemn a Roman man, person, without a trial. That is, a, a, it carries, that just that offense carries a highest punishment in Rome. If a person has a Roman citizen, you can't condemn them with, before you try. So when they heard that these people are Romans, June, July, their knees were knocking because they know that they have transgressed the highest law of the land, the Roman land. So they pleaded with, please go, please forget. Let the bygones be bygones. Just go. And so uh, he went 
to Lydia's house. He met with the brethren, you know, prayed for them, and he left. And so, in chapter 17, we see where he went to. Now, my question is, when he left, uh, who did he leave as a church? Now, who did he leave? What was the church composed of? The people that were born again. Who were they? Lydia and couple ladies, right? The jailer and his family. So, that was the church. He went to, the next place he went to was in Thessalonica, which was also in Macedonia. So, these two places are, were the very important places in Philipp, uh, the Philipp, the Phil, uh, Philippi and Thessalonica. The um, important Macedonian places or cities. So, he went to Macedonia yeah, in chapter uh, 17. And then after uh, Thessalonica, you know, he started the work there. You know, he went to Berea, which was also now in the south in Macedonia. Then he left Macedonia province. He went to Athens, yeah, the next place. And then from Athens, that's when he arrived at Corinth. So Corinth, Corinthian church started, you know, way back after Philippian church and after Thessalon uh, Thessalonica church. Thessalonian church. So, uh, now, he's saying that, Paul says, when I came to you, Corinthians, I guess that probably there were baby Christians. He didn't want to burden them. You know. Uh, but what I want you to see, he says that the church in Philippi took care of me in Macedonia, which highly, looking at the Philippian book, we highly suspect or come to a conclusion that it must have been the Philippian church. Now, let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Are you enjoying the way? So, this is the book where Paul writes a, you know, rise to it with passion. He's passionate about it. Now, verse 3, Philippians 1, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So he's saying, yeah, every time I remember you, I just thank God. He says, always in every prayer of mine, not in some of the uh, prayers or most of the prayer. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. He says, when I pray for you, I pray with joy. 
You know, I pray excited. Uh, when I remember you, I just joy just fills my heart. Now, why? Because you are special. You know, we will uh, uh, read on, uh, and it says, "Why?" Verse five, because of your partnership in the gospel. From when? From the first day until now. Now, when Paul was writing this letter, he was writing it from prison. He was arrested. So, he went to Corinth, priest there. He went to Ephesus the first time uh, from Corinth, he went to Ephesus, uh, 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 you know, and just for, you know, in, in, in the following chapter, you know, he, he found, uh, still in Acts, when I say uh, following, uh, following chapter, you know, I mean in Acts chapter, uh, we were in 17, right? Now, uh, in chapter 18, you know, he found uh, Aquila you know, right there, yeah, and Priscilla, yeah, and uh, who had just come you know, from Rome. And so uh, he preached the gospel, in, in, that is in Corinth, right? You know, from there, chapter 19, he went to, to Ephesus. And it happened, verse 1, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And when it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples there. He asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said, we haven't had. He preached Jesus to them. They were not born again. They just believed, but they were not born again. He preached Jesus they got baptized and then from with, with water from there he baptized them with the Holy Spirit he, he prayed for them to be baptized by the Holy Spirit and so from there you know he went so it's over time he went to Ephesus uh, and uh, you know so he was in Ephesus for two years and uh, verse 10, this continued for two years so that all residents of Asia had the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Where was that? In Ephesus. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, this is the place whereby people were throwing, you know, uh, all their chumps, everything, burn them, all their books, their, uh, you know, the. Uh, the books on uh, fortune telling, different, uh, you know, they believe in so many things that were weird. So they were burning them because now they are seeing the light. Yeah. And a great revival was there. Yeah. And people, uh, mirror signs and wonders were happening. Yeah. And the Bible says that, uh, you know, that the handkerchiefs from Paul's body, that had touched uh, Paul's body, and also his aprons, because he was a tent maker, you know, his overall, you know, that uh, people 
were now touched by the power of God from there. Yeah. And so, you know, a revival broke out. That was uh, that is in chapter in Acts chapter nineteen, you know, and then a riot came out, you know, which ultimately made him to leave. Yeah. Then he went back to Macedonia, Thessalonica, and Greece. Yeah. And you remember, there was uh, one uh, he preached to the brethren there. He preached until midnight, you know, and. Uh, you know, and there was a young man, you know, who was sitting go go verending. You know, he fell asleep. Yeah, and he 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 fell down. You know, from a higher story, fell down. And then the brethren, now they looked. Oh, there is a dead body. You know, he had died. And Paul went down the stairs. They went, you know, to the man and prayed for him, and he came back to life. Miracles happening, yeah. and so uh, all of that. Now, to cut the long story short, you know, ultimately he went to Jerusalem, you know, and he was arrested in Jerusalem. Remember, after some, you know, uh, some years, you know, he went to Jerusalem. He was arrested, and when he was arrested, they took him to Caesarea. He spent two years there, you know. And then from there, he pleaded to uh, go to, you know, he appealed to, to Caesar. So they took him a long journey, you know, remember? You know, by sheep, he had shipwrecked and so forth. And so it's over years. When you add up those years, it's, it's a long time until he arrived in Rome in Acts chapter 29, 28. So how many years have passed? from the time that he started Philippian church until he was arrested until in Acts chapter 28 he's in Rome many years so but listen to what Paul says here when he writes so he's in prison now he writes a letter to the Philippian church and he says this I mean this is so powerful he says, uh, you know, verse 5, because, he says, I'm so excited about you. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Yeah, from the first day, when they got born again, they learned about supporting the work of God. Yeah. And, you know, they were consistent in supporting the work of God up until many years when Paul was now in Rome, you know, was arrested, and he's writing a letter. He says that you have been partnering with me in the gospel. That's amazing. Yeah. You see, uh, these people where they just love God. Now, later on, we will read as we continue in this series, Paul says that no church shared with me, in chapter 4, that is, no church shared with me in the matters of giving and receiving, but you alone. 
This was a powerful church that understood partnership with God. Yeah. And so, uh, so they partnered with God. They gave, you know, unto God. Now, uh, somebody says that were they tithing? Look here, it was far more than a tithe. Now, there is a, a, a clip or clips that have been going around of one man of God who came up and said that all the books that I wrote about tithing and uh, all the tapes that I taught, all everything, please bend them. Says, as long as they don't agree, you need to underline this, they don't agree with the gospel of grace, please bend them. Yeah. And uh, he says this that, you know, later on he says this that, uh, that I began to see things better when I was confronted with the gospel of grace. And so, so meaning that uh, the reason why he's saying all of that is because now he believes in the gospel of grace, yeah. right? So, and then he says, uh, he talks about tithing. And then in the message, now I listen, I, I, I listen to all the short clips. The other one is five minutes plus, the other one is six minutes, you know, plus. And I listen to the whole message. It's about an hour plus. You know, I, I, I watch you know, the whole clip so that when I respond, I respond to what I killed Kribari that I hear. You know, I mean, I've seen, you know, this is what, you know, the man is saying. Now, when I listen to it, uh, there are a couple of things, obviously, that are, you know, good, uh, but there are also other things that are of much concern. Now, for you to understand where it's coming from, you need to understand what is the gospel of grace. Now, uh, the gospel is of grace is what we would call hypergrace. Hypergrace, right? Now, what does hypergrace teach? Teaches. What does it teach? Once saved, always saved. You know, it's, it's one of the things. Now, the reason why it's on grace is that they say we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. So we are not, no longer under the law, but we are under grace. That is the truth. We are not 
no longer under the law because that's what it's written in the Bible. But now, the problem is when they stretch it. That's where the problem comes. Yeah. So meaning that, uh, you know, it's more like if everything that is that was in the Old Testament, the law, we are no longer, we, we should disregard because that is the law. Yeah. Because now Jesus came and Jesus now has brought grace. Yeah. And uh, grace is saying that what you do, your actions and everything, they have no bearing on your salvation. Uh, that the moment you say, I, am, I give my life to Jesus, so what happens thereafter? It has no bearing, because if it now starts to have bearing, it is wax. It is the law. And we are no longer under the law. So it teaches that you know, like you have said, once saved, always saved, that you cannot lose your salvation. It does not matter what you do. You can live like the devil and still go to heaven. So that is why people that teaches this teaching, yeah, it, it is nearly connected to a teaching of the reformist teaching. The reformists uh, uh, teaches that, or uh, they teach that you know, about predestination. That God has chosen who will be saved and God has chosen who will go to hell. No, they, they don't talk about the number. That is the Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. And so, uh, so he says, uh, God has chosen. So, so meaning that uh, if God has chosen that you will be saved, that you will go to heaven, it does not matter how you live. When you die, you go to heaven. And then they say, you know, and, and, and that's where it, 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 you know, there is a danger. And they uh, 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 say that, you know, we are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, right? You know, but they say that it is not of yourself. So for you also to respond to the gospel is because God has given you faith. Because he has predestined that you will be saved. And if God has not predestined that you be saved, God won't give you faith believe as predestination which is a problem yeah. and now let me come now to hyper grace yeah. the hyper grace uh, they teach that whatever you do it won't affect your salvation yeah. so that is why you find people that teach hyper grace they will preach here, excited. They will go and drink, no problem. 
or go and you know have affairs, no problem. Or go and live, you know, a life uh, that is not in scripture, no problem. And 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 I I I, I said to Pastor Luis because we were watching the full clip, you know, together. Yeah. Now, at the to, uh, at the end. I think he had just done altar call. Yeah, then he says, you know, he talks up jokingly, you know, some of you need to be free. I mean, you need to enjoy life. You know, have a drink and enjoy life. You know, and say, oh, somebody says, Pastor, I'm having, you know, my Holy Communion with me and so forth. Yeah. So he was saying it as a drink, but that is and indicate that it's what the people of hyper grace teach. Yeah. And so, uh, so now hyper grace says anything that you are required to do that is law. It's not you are, you are, you are, you are now under law. You are not under grace. And so. So you, you can do whatever you do, it's fine with you. That's hyper grace. Okay. And so and you know and, and you know he was a real, I mean, great teacher of the word and great, you know, minister and and so forth, but you know, this hyper grace thing. Just messed him up. So, anyway, now let me pick up some of the things he's talking about tithing. So, he's saying that a New Testament believer, you are not required to tithe. Yeah. He says, you know, the Bible, there is, you know, no way in the New Testament. That is saying that you should tithe. He says that it that was an old testament. It was the law, the law in the old testament. Now here is the thing that I want to bring to you. Number one, which he also mentions, you know, that uh, Abraham tithe to Melchizedek. He gave the ten percent. You know, of all the spoils that he gave, he gave to Melchizedek. That was before the law. Number two, remember Jacob was uh, had run uh, 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 run away from his his brother. He, he he came to a place. He slept, and you know he had a vision. You know, a staircase from heaven. Angels ascending and descending on it. He woke up and said, "This is, uh, you know, the, this is the what? Yeah, this is the presence, you know, the house of God. I didn't know this is a holy place. I didn't know it, you know, right? He made a covenant with God. He said, God, if you will keep me, you know, and then you bring me safe. And he says that." I will give you ten percent of all that I get. Uh, that I give. 
So what is 10%? Type means 10%. It's one tenth. So that was before the law. Now when we come into uh, the law, now the law made it a requirement for all children of Israel. God said that I, uh, you know, I've delivered all of you. I've taken uh, the firstborn of the Egyptians, but I've spared your firstborn. But now, the fact that I've spared your firstborn does not mean that your firstborn, you know, you are not to offer them. He says, your firstborn must serve. They belong to me. That's what God said to the Egyptians. And so God then said that, okay, uh, this is what I will do. In, in, in other words, literally, every home had to give their, their firstborn to God. And not only that, but also firstborn of everything because what died in Egypt, Egyptians was human being and livestock. So a firstborn of a livestock was to you know, belong to God. So God says that, don't worry. This is what I will do. I will choose one tribe. It will belong to me. That's the type of Levi. He chose Levi, the Levites. Says the Levites, every other one I'm going to give you land to plant, to work, and everything. But the, the Levites, I've chosen them. I've chosen them for myself. So the Levites were like all the Israelites' firstborns. Says, I've chosen them for myself. But you now have a responsibility of taking care of them because they are working in my house 24-7. Are you following me? So how would that happen? Now God says that by bringing the tithe. So when the children of Israel brought into the house of the Lord, they were like bringing their firstborn and taking care of their firstborn. Literally, that's what it would mean. And so, tithe continued in the whole of uh, the Old Testament. And that is why God was angry with them in Malachi. Malachi. He says that uh, you are cursed with a curse. Why? Because you know uh, you have robbed God. The Levites belong to me, but you are not supporting them with the tithe. So you have robbed me, and curse has come upon you. God was angry because uh, if it was literally their children, they would be taking care of of them. But now, ah, it's another tribe. You know, that God that did not uh, forbid, did not rather allow that they should have land, that they should work the land, that they should have crops, they should have, you know, livestock, and uh, so that they would survive. Uh, God said that 
your responsibility is in the house of the Lord. And so uh, God says that, you know, if you bring all the tithes, I will bless you, the whole nation, I will bless you. And that is why when we talk about partnership in the New Testament, Paul says that, you know, my God shall supply all my needs in Philippians 4, 19, according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Why would God do that? Is because this Philippian church, you know, are taking care of their Levites. They are taking care of Paul and the work of God. Are you with me? Yeah. And so, uh, you see, when you support the work of God, God is saying that my work is continue, and I am bound to bless you and take care of you because you are taking care of my work. So, now, uh, they say, you know, we are not commanded commanded to uh, to tithe in the New Testament. Now, New Testament talks about tithe. It mentions tithe. Matthew 23, 23. Uh, Let's open. Uh, Matthew 23, 23. Now, what does it say? to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you do what? You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Colon, right? What are those weightier matters? Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These, what? You know, uh, what are these? Justice, mercy, and faithfulness you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Or you could say, you know, the tithe of mint and dill and cumin you ought to have done without neglecting justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So in other words, you don't leave the other outside. You do both of them. And so now, uh, these people that teach, you know, about now, it's the same scripture in Luke chapter 11, verse uh, 42. Now, these people, they say, here Jesus was speaking. It was before Jesus died at the cross. Now, listen to their argument. Argument, I mean, listen to their discourse. Listen to what they present. They say, because Jesus had not died at the cross, therefore, uh, they were still living under the Old Testament. So that particular thing was under the Old Testament. That the New Testament starts after Jesus rose from the dead death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which is the truth. But now, the issue is, okay, 
everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before Jesus died. Let's throw it off. But they don't. They are quoting those things. So it's like, oh, I'll choose this one, I'll leave out this one. I'll choose this one, and I'll leave out this one. And, and that is the problem. And now, what we understand and what we should understand is this, that uh, when, uh, you know, because of time, let me say this, that the Bible talks, the New Testament emphasizes the issue, the issue of generosity. You become generous with your giving. Now, if you read my book, I talk about the cross being the filter. That there are things in the Old Testament, when they came to the cross, they were blocked. They never went through the other side. And those things, uh, the New Testament clearly tells us. There are some things that when they came to the cross, they, they changed. They were different. And there are some things that went through the cross unchanged. So, and all of that, it's in the New Testament. It's telling us. So now, Whatever that the Bible did not, the New Testament did not change that thing. When it's coming from the Old Testament, it means it's as valid as it was in the Old Testament. That's why God did not bother by changing it or by mentioning it. Give you an example. You know, like praise and worship. David brought the instruments and everything, you know. Uh, and if you, re if you want to read about instruments, you don't find them in the New Testament. Now, does that mean we are not to have instruments because the New Testament is quiet about the instruments? So it does not mean that. I mean, the New Testament did not have to mention anything because they are still as valid as they were in the Old Testament. So the killing of animals, they come through the cross, and what happens? The New Testament is clear that we are no longer now to offer sacrifice so it has stopped and gives us a reason why it has stopped is because the blood of Jesus is now valid once and for all you see so everything that changed everything that stopped the New Testament told us and everything that did not change the New Testament didn't have to say a lot about it because it went through. It went through like this. 
it was never stopped. And so tithing, my question, here is, here is a question. Is there anywhere in the New Testament that it is written, stop tithing? So if I stop tithing because I say that it does not uh, 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 talk about, then I should stop playing drums and guitars because it's not talked about in the New Testament. Just giving you a practical example. And so, uh, so it, it is not, it's never talked uh, about that we should stop, you know. Instead, Jesus, you know, talks about it here that you should tie. Now, you, you, you see, this is what we, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Are you enjoying the way? We're talking about partnership with God. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus now talks. Uh, people have come, and he talks to them. And now, listen to what he says. He tells us uh, what should happen. Yeah. And Verse 17. This is a, a, a verse that they quote. But so we will look deeper into it. My question is, why would these people quote this verse? Because Akiri does not apply to us. Akiri, this is before the cross. So why would now, why would they, I mean, let's throw off everything. But they quote it because they like it. But earlier tithing, they don't like it. But look at what he says. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So this is what they are saying. They are saying Jesus fulfilled the law, so we don't have to keep the law. I mean, this is stupid. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say that. Because uh, what does the law say? The law says do not murder. Oh, okay, I don't uh, have, Jesus has fulfilled that law. So now I am free to murder because Jesus has fulfilled. Does not make sense. We are to keep the law. What happens now, we, we no longer keep it by requirements, but we keep it from the heart. That's what changes. Uh, we are no longer doing it out of fear. We are doing it out of love. Yeah. Hey, I won't, I won't kill because uh, I fear. I can't try more. They will. No. In the Old Testament, it was like that. But now in the New Testament, I don't want to kill because I love you. And I love God. Do you understand? Yeah. And so, 
verse 18. You know, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from, from the law until all is accomplished. Now, they're removing it. God, Jesus says that, it, you know, and until heaven and earth pass away, none of it will be erased. Bona, they are, they've begun to erase them. It says, therefore, verse 19, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless... Now, this... this uh, we must... This is what answers so many questions for me. It says in verse 20, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Yeah. That means that uh, the New Testament righteousness must be above the Old Testament righteousness. So meaning that, you know, uh, the Old Testament, when they required was this, when I you exceed that requirement. Yeah. Yeah, it must surpass. And so, how does that happen? He says, uh, verse 22, eh? 21, you have heard now, where have they had? In the law, right? That it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. See, that's what the law says. So did Jesus say, oh, because I have come now to fulfill the law, you don't have to worry about that. Just throw it away. No, he doesn't say that. But what does he say? He says, but... I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, which one is greater? The act of murdering or just the anger? Which one is more difficult? Eh? The anger. So which one is higher? Which one is of higher standard? Is the anger is a higher standard? Because you can be angry and say, you know, before you're safe under the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, that anger, already you have committed sin. You have committed sin already. 
Do you understand? So the anger is a higher standard than the murder, the edge of murdering. That's not the end. No, that's the New Testament. So Jesus is saying, this is what you are to practice after I have died. And so he says, where are we? Let's go to 27. It says, you have heard that it was said. He is now quoting, right? You shall not commit adultery. But I say that everyone who looks at a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Which one I'm asking again? It's of a higher standard. Is it the act or is it the look? The look is a higher standard. So in the Old Testament, under the law, you know, you could look, you could... <laughs> you could imagine, you know... Uh, Corey, you, you take the lady, you know, fully dressed. In your mind, you undress her and imagine this is how she looks like and all of that. As long as you have not slept with her, you have not come, you're safe. You have not committed any sin. By now, Jesus comes in the New Testament. Says, don't even try. Don't even try to imagine anything. The moment you imagine, already you have committed sin before God. Which one is a higher standard? Eh? The look. Right? So, you see, Jesus is clear here what comes through this sign. He's telling us here. So, he says that that's what happens. He says, uh, if your right eye, okay, let's go to verse, verse 30. Verse 33. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said uh, to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. So in other words, you can swear, but don't swear falsely. But he says, but I say, do not take an oath at all either by heaven for it is the throne of God or for by, by earth for it is a footstool or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king do not take an oath by your head you cannot make one hair white or black even if you die it still comes out white you dye it <laughs> anyway 
Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the from evil. So, what people will say? Wait again. Month end. I'm going to pay you. I'm going to pay you. Yeah, you know it's true. You know, sisi. When I know by gas sisi. You know, I'm going to pay you. You know, and so that time those na sisi again. Zebra wait again. Jerusalem kiele. You know, lechorimo kilele. You know, kilele. You know, I swear, I swear, uh, by, by, you know, heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem. Or I swear by it. Now Jesus says, here, you don't even swear. When you say, I'll, I'll give you money month end, that's it. You're committed to it. Are you with me? You know, you're committed to it. Your yes is yes. Your no, it's no. And so, we see here that Jesus is bringing higher standards here. Eh? He's lifting the bar. And verse 38, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So in the old, eh, in the old, under the law, under the law, it says, how better come in a Luena or a farm, farm, Muselete? You haven't committed any sin. That's the law. Tooth for a tooth, eye for an eye. If he gouges your eye on sa little, you know, Luena only one eye, whatever, you know, little, little, and then you gouge his eye out. Only one eye. That's the old, that's the, that's the law. Then you have squared. But Jesus says, he comes in now. He says, don't do that. When he strikes you, on your right cheek. You know. You need to balance. How this one is not balancing. Do also this side. It will balance. <laughs> yeah. Then he continues. He says, I mean, listen to this. He's raising a bar. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. That's Jesus. He says, if anyone, verse 40, 
if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Tunic, or when I did two pieces of me, get dressed in a little coat, Jagger. Had the address, or right again, it's a mile one. Almost. Or a castle twanella, I live one. Almost fell a coat, Yaona, or a city. That's what the New Testament says. That's what grace says. Yeah. Grace is you, you give what the person does not deserve. You go an extra mile. Actually, it says, verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. So, what the... He says, you have heard, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Oh, hate your enemy. You haven't committed sin under the law. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So what do we, which one is harder? Which one, uh, which standard is higher? is the New Testament standard. So now, what we see is that the Old Testament, also with, you know, God now uh, forgets about talking about tithe. Tithe is just, it's a lower standard. Well, also told. In the New Testament, he talks about generosity. That is why in Acts chapter 2, when they got saved, they gave their possession. Everything that they had, they gave to the work of God. And their land, you know, their properties. And then she omungwata, them said, you know, you know, and then, and then we come, we come and present, you know, Ananias and Sapphira. And come and present and say, this is all the money that we got. Lying. Yeah. So they died. Why did they die? Now, listen to what Peter says. He says, uh, while it was in your own, you know, was it not you know, your own discretion. In other words, nobody forced you to do it. Yeah. And then also when you sold it. So if they had been honest and say, you know, I think we will need, you know, some money. We are just bringing this. They wouldn't have died. The, problem, the reason why they died, it's a false representation. Lying spirit. Yeah. They brought... Uh, the money and say, this is our time. And so church, or oh, this is the, the proceeds from uh, the same. So that's why they died. That is why God was angry with them. And so now, church, here is the thing that I want us to understand. Is that tithe is still God domain. 
that's the truth. It's not a money issue. It's the heart issue. So when God now comes, he says that I want your heart to be a generous heart. Let me tell you, you can never, God cannot shortchange you. You can never outgive God. When your heart is a heart of generosity, yeah, I'm telling you, there is no way that God will, will forget you. You are not losing when you are generous to God. You are not losing. I've known people that have been so generous in this church. People that have sold their properties and brought the money into the house of God. Some of the money is what we bought, the buses, paid this, Kayona, and so forth. You don't know. Somebody just sold his house, the house, said that, Pastor. Some of them, they've moved to even the villages sold their property, move into the villages and say, I just want to support the work of God. You wouldn't know. And, you know, people going an extra mile. I'm not saying we should sell our property. Please, I am not saying that. You do what God tells you to do. You do what it's in your heart to do. So what we're saying is that if you are still struggling, that time you haven't begun to live a New Testament standard. You haven't begun. Yeah, somebody... Who was, was having a problem with time? Came to me and said, Pastor, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sell my house. And then I'm going to sell my house. And then after selling my house, Pastor, you know, I'm, I'm going to give. God, he was so excited that he's doing something great. You know, I'm going, I'm going to give, you know, 10% the work of God. See, I don't get excited about promises. I've learned, I've learned, I've learned over the years, I've learned, I've learned. So I don't get excited. You can promise everything, I don't get excited. I know, okay, it's fine. So, it's like we're saying, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing something extraordinary and so forth, and I'm going to bring that time. And I'm thinking, there are people that are bringing 100%. And then you think, I'm saying it in my heart, 
but I will smile and say, oh, okay. But in my heart, I'm thinking, there are people that are bringing the hundred percent, and you're talking about the minimum of what you're supposed, and you want me to be excited about it? Because I don't want to be rude. I was, oh, okay. It's now close to 10 years. We are still waiting for that 10%. We are still waiting. So, and, and you know what? And then people, because you realize that such people, they have a hard problem. And such people, they, it's like they want to impress you. But their heart is not right. And I've learned that there's nothing that you can do to impress me. You just do what God tells you to do. You just do what God tells you to do. If God tells you to do something, you do it. Yeah. When God speaks to me, Pastor Luisa knows, when God speaks to me, I do. I do. You know, God spoke to me. I mean, we were building our house, the house that we were living in. We were building our house. I mean, we needed money. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to take two-thirds of your salary, cut it off, reduce your salary. It's like you give back to the church two-thirds of your salary. Karamudim. But God spoke to me. You know, and I came to the office and then I told the board, I said, I'm cutting my salary. Not by half, but by two thirds. Cutting my salary. Because God spoke to me. And I'm saying, God came through supernatural that we would be where we are not owing anybody anything, you know, debt free, yeah. provisions of God, yeah. last year or early, the, the, we, we bought a car, yeah, that is Rifmet, is selling, is, I mean, is driving, and <clears throat> uh, so we, 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 we bought it, you know, we took Rifmet's car because it was now giving problem, we traded in, and then we bought, we bought her a car. I still owe her a car. Anyway, <laughs> so, but, and I'm thinking about it. 13 months time, we paid it off. In 13 months. You talk about provisions of God. Bought it in February. Eh? Was it in February? March? In April? This year, we paid it off, cleared, cleared it off. So, and whereby we are now debt-free in everything. We don't owe anything, anybody, anything. So I've seen the benefits of generosity. I've seen them. Yeah. And so when God, you know, speaks to us, that I want you to do this, I don't argue. Yeah. There are times whereby a person will come, 
I remember one particular time, a person came with an envelope, you know, and then I opened and said, Pastor, this is for you. Now, when somebody brings money, the first question is, is it for the church or is it for me? Because I don't want to take the church's money. If it's meant for the church, it must go to the church. Yeah. And so the person says, no, this is personally yours. I open it after he has left, you know, and it was 5,000 money. Yeah. And five, we in the city campus. And then a phone uh, from the session, uh, I think, but some, you know, we need to, uh, you know, put on fuel, go to buses and so forth. I just take, you know, the money, pass it on. Please go and pour in fuel, go to buses. It's not a struggle with me. The issue of money is never a struggle. There are a lot of things that we do, Pastor, and thank God I married this woman. Thank God. Thank God. She is such a blessing. I get a book and give a king to Omongwe. Give a little guy. Reluca di Chelete. You know, and Sekisa di Chelete and so forth. Hi, Wisakai. Chelete. Hey, Sinchelete. I Sinchelete. You know, Yabanaba. You know. But thank God that, you know, we have the same heart. That, I mean, money would come. I was saying this, I mean, it's so often, it's like back here or two weeks, I feel it before somebody are Kenyatta serious money. And do I ever come here and plead, please, you know, pencil it there? No, I don't. It's because of our generosity. It's coming back. God is just taking care of us. And so we are grateful to God for that. And so, uh, what was I saying? What was I saying? Yeah. There is something that I wanted to say. So I was saying that, you know, you cannot outgive God. Don't play gimmicks about getting money. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Never love money. Never love money. We got an uh, inheritance, my, uh, oh, that was due to us. You know, <coughs> uh, my uncle passed on, he didn't have children. So all his siblings, which is my father, you know, and two sisters had to share. Now my father, you know, passed on, and so so meaning his share comes to us. Yeah. And so there were, you know, a lot of things uh, there. And then uh, we agreed with Pastor he said, you know what, we're going to sign it off. So I went to the lawyers and said, please. We don't want any shame. You know, don't involve us. We, we don't want our shame. God has been taking care of us. We make sure that we 
don't love money. And so even when people come, you know, and you give me two rand and you think that I would love you more, it does not change anything. Are you with me? I'll love you the same way that I've been loving everybody else. So never make money a priority in your life. It's not about money. When you start to love money, you start to sleep, you know, you know, it's a slippery road into it's a downward, downward uh, trend. I tell you, it's a downward trend. And so, never live your life as if somebody owes you. Nobody owes you. I'm helping you. Nobody owes you. Just know this, God will take care of you. And so God has been grateful, you know, to us. This church has been a giving church, you know, we give, we give a lot. It's, not, it's like every week there is a church we are giving, there is a pastor we are assisting, we are doing. And people that we don't like relate to. The money that you give does not only, it's not spent only in God's time. It's a lot of project. Around here in Sishiku, for instance, you know, you can I can mention that church we gave when they were building. That church we gave when they were buying stuff. That church we helped them. That church we are because we are generous. A New Testament principle: generosity. You be generous, and that is why this church is blessed. When churches were struggling during COVID, we never struggled financially. You remember, when we were going into lockdown, uh, we had some bit of money in the account. And then uh, God said that, I want you to take that money and give it away. I said, God, we're going into lockdown. God, did you hear what the president said? He said, 21 days to slow the spread. We are still slowing this, uh, flattening the curve, you know, to flatten the curve. We are still flattening the curve. Anyway, I said, God, this is what president, and God said, I want you to give it away because that money is going to be a trap. You're going to trust that money instead of trusting us. I said, God, basically, president you know, are we are, everything is going to be locked down. And so, but I have learned over the years that, you know, being obedient to God, it goes a long way. Yeah. And so we gave, we gave. So we cleared the account. Come the day of the uh, paying salaries, there was money in the account to pay salaries. The following month, that was March. In April, there was money. In May, there was whatever that the church needed. And the staff got their 100% salaries. There was money. 
And did I ever come and say, Where's the king? You know, did I ever, did you ever, he, you know, heard me saying that? No. We do the word, you know, and God, God does the rest. God took care of us. And when the church reopened, the government introduced the, uh, what's this, fees, the, Terse money, temporary employment relief support. Yeah. And so we, we, we applied for that. So at least the government helped us. Not that we needed help, but at least we took advantage because we're paying our taxes, we're paying our UIF. So we applied and they provided money. So, so uh, I look at stuff, they got more money than they were earning before lockdown. I say, you know, and so God took care of us. And then all those 21, more than three months, you know, remember there was no church I kept operating. So what did you go high? Why is it when it's all holla fella? What did you go high? Kere, kena fella ke ke bereka ke bereka, you know, eh ke bereka busi ulemutsiare. I'm preaching every evening. I am preaching online. Ke fufule la, you know, and then when I fella, it's a we come here, come here, mouth open, and we no holla. Man, entire we na chilete yada. You know, I'm preaching, I'm, I'm doing everything. You know, the Steve Kate, it's like my fans on a hurry. You know, how you distribute the joe, you know, by my police, ask about Swenya. You know, get a printer, you know, the permits, yeah, the permits. Hey, I'm working day and night, I'm working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know, Saturday, Sunday, twice. I'm preaching in the evening. I'm preaching in the morning. Yeah. And but I loved it. I'm not complaining. I loved it. So, but what I'm saying is that God took care of us. And so I've seen it in my personal life. I've seen it as a church that when we partner with God, God will always take care of you. You know, what is my goal? It's not to live by your giving. Oh, I'm going to live by that. My goal is that I live by my giving. I don't live by your giving, but I live by my giving, my generosity. That's what sustains me. That's, so I don't preach what I don't practice. I preach what I do, what I have seen. If I have not seen it happening in my life, I have no right to tell you to do it. 
And so we need to have a heart of generosity. And this is what the church in Philippi had. They had a heart of giving, of being generous. They were generous. They were givers. And so, uh, you know, in this clip, the pastor says, you know, the woman with uh, two mites, the widow woman, Jesus said, she gave more than you all because she gave the little. So they were saying, oh, it does not, the amount does not matter. So I said, no, what percentage? That two months represented which percentage? It represented the 100%. That's why Jesus says that you gave the 100%. Others gave whatever percentage. Jesus said that this woman gave the 100%. She gave out of her livelihood, out of her living. And you all gave out of your surplus. So giving out of your surplus does not impress God. But giving what touches your heart. Don't, don't you think that when God spoke to us to sell our house and we give all the proceeds to the church that that was touching our heart? Was touching our heart. When God said, you know, spoke to us that we refinance our house that we own, going to a Goflora Park for 300000 and then we took the money and we paid off the cars, like a or personal. Don't you think that that was touching our, our heart? And so, you know, today I look back, I said, you know, we sold out of our house. God gave us a debt-free house. Not only debt-free house, debt-free houses, for your information. God gave us <coughs> debt-free houses. We gave, you know, towards the cars. God gave us debt-free cars. can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. And so you do what, what God tells you to do. And so here it's here is the thing. People who are having a problem with their time, or rather people that are excited, oh we are living under grace are people that are having a problem with their time. Let me put it uh, bluntly. Are stingy people. Stingy people are people that are having a problem with their time. So the question is, okay, if time is the Old Testament, how much have you given you? How much have you given? You'll find that such people that are running with such messages, they don't much to support the work of God. They don't. You see, people that are generous never have a problem with time. Never have a problem with giving. They're just generous. And so, the church in Philippi 
was a church that supported the work of God. That is why Paul, when he looks at it and said that, you know, uh, yeah, that's the scripture. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So the church in Philip, what happened is that Paul, when he thinks about the church, he just got excited. He said, this church is blessed. It just blesses my heart. This church, that's why I will always pray for this church. That's what Paul is saying. I will always pray for this. I will always, you know, really acknowledge and appreciate this church. Because uh, this church, it's a great church. It's a great church. So, because it was a church that understood partnership with God. And so, I desire that we be that church. Don't you think so? One, two, one, two. Let me try again. I desire that we should be the church. A church out of poverty. That will give. Okay. When Paul left, it was just a couple women and the jailer's house. But from that day, they took it as their responsibility that we will take care of Paul, will take care of his mission tree. They took care of it. See, God knows how to bless you. He knows. Let me close with this testimony. We were in Cape Town, my family, on holiday. And so we enjoying Cape Town many years back. I don't know how many years. Yeah, yeah, it was in the 90s because I remember I was still driving the blue. Was it the blue beer? No, it was. What car was I driving? <laughs> the, the, this building. The pulpit was still there. I remember very well. So we were in Cape Town, enjoying. And so, hey, you know, and everybody, you know, buying and a swiper, swiper, movements. I remember when we were coming back from Cape Town, the pilot, that might was still small, the pilot came and took, I have a picture here, and took Griffin and say, let me take you to the cockpit. This is before, you know, they would stop. And so, so I, I, I had a little camera. I said, I followed Lynn. Lynn, I got Can I take a picture? You know, and I, the, the, it was British Airways. I said, the pilot said, hey, yes, come. And so I went in, and Griffin Mansi, you know, put her on a, a pilot seat. And it was, we were flying, eh? We were on air. And, you know, Manakavatu. You know, 
I took a picture of that. <laughs> you remember that? You, you remember when you, yeah, when you look at them. So, yeah, it was during that trip. So you can just imagine it was many years back. So now, here is the thing. I swipe up, kick that. I swipe up, swipe everywhere. I swipe up. And I swipe up, so I swipe Literally, there is David order Stedler. Hey, so by the time we arrive back, there's no money in the account. Kuri David order, how na chalete, you know, and so forth. And so we stopped at Pastor Luisa's home. And uh, it was Saturday, that particular. Remember, I was washing the car. And one pastor, or I called a pastor and said, tomorrow we are coming to fellowship at your church. And so, uh, and so the pastor said, oh, great. We, uh, that's great. Drop the phone. After two minutes, the pastor calls me back. Say, you're coming to our church. He said, please come and preach. And when he said that, and I'm thinking, did David order the other? <laughs> you understand? David orders are coming, and when I go and preach there, they're going to receive an offering for me. Mudim has many ways to bless. But I knew my heart is not right. So I said to the pastor, I'll call you back. So I dropped the phone, and I went to Pastor Luisa. Oh, Pastor so-and-so says, you know, you should come and preach at this church. Pastor Luisa also knew the heart is not right. Heart is not right. So I called back the pastor. Say, Pastor, you know, thank you for the invitation. We are still coming to your church tomorrow to fellowship, but I'm not preaching. I remember in my pocket I had 20 rand. 20 rand. The last 20 rand. Between me and month end, it was 20 rand. Yeah. that 20 rand. I have never given this little money an embarrassment, you know, for me. But that's all that I had. You know, because I was swiping, I was swiping. Anyway, I said to the pastor, we are coming to church, but I'm not preaching. The pastor, no, please come. I said, I will tell you one day, but for now, I'm not preaching. So I turned down the invitation. We went to church, fellowship with them, came graciously after service, they took us to a restaurant, you know, buffet, we were eating crocodiles, and remember, you know, different meats there, game meat, and, and anyway, so uh, we came back home. At least there was fuel in the car, and that is before the toll gates there. So there was fuel in, I'm safe, I will arrive home. And so we got home that week. We received money, more than what we could have received had I gone there to preach. I said, God, you tested my heart. 
And then I was honest to say, my heart is not right. I am preaching for money in this instance. I'm not preaching for you. Therefore, I turned down that. And that same way, God supernaturally provided money. Yeah. And so I have learned. You know, people say, when you come to church, when you come to our church, how much, you know, do you want? You know, I say, please, let's not talk about money. Do whatever God says. Let's not talk about money. When I come, I come to preach. What you do, it's up to you. But now I come to minister. You know, and, you know, and, and, and when I respond to the uh, invitation, I go and minister. And I don't, disc I don't put a price. Because that's a bad, that's evil spirit. The anointing will never rest when you put a price. Because now you are eh, selling the gospel. You're not preaching. You know, the anointing just it just blocks, it does it does not flow. So go anyway, preach. We never discuss money. I refused to say when I come, you know, you want. And then I will take whatever they offer me. I've, I've gone to churches. They don't offer me anything. It's happy. It does not change anything. My thing is that I was obedient to God. I went and preached. Yeah. And I don't receive invitation based on, oh, if I go to that church, hey, they will give me a bigger honorarium. I don't do that. I pray and seek God. God, do you want me? There are churches that, you know, uh, really you know that they are very generous. When you go there, they will bless you or take care of you, you know. But I have 10 invitations simply because I felt that God is not leading me. Anointing is not for sale. Did you hear me? The anointing is not for sale. I have turned down the invitation. I remember at one particular time, uh, this church, small Anyana church, invited us. You know, I said yes to the day. They gave me a day, so I will come. And later on, very big church, generous church, invited us. Now, if I was forsaken, I would be going to that pastor, you know, but something, something came up, I'm sorry, man. let's change the date, I will come some other day. I would have done that, right? But because, you know, I follow the anointing and I am a man of my weight. When I say I'll do this, I will do it. So, I said to the pastor of a big uh, church, I said, unfortunately, I cannot come. On that date, I've already given a pastor a date. So I'm going to a church. I can't come. So I turn it down. So never make money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. If ever there is a prayer that you should pray, God, remove the love of money from me. You are free 
and you will see the grace of God upon your life. You will see, you will enjoy provision. You are not trying to scam people to do anything. You will see the provision of God upon your life. I'll end off right here. God bless you. Let's say this together. Father God, I thank you for your truth in my life. It is well with me. I determine to love you and not to love money. I determine to go after you, not to go after money. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for helping me to love you and to do your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.